strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Want to remind you, during King LASIK's season of saving, LASIK, both eyes, is now just $3,500. With this $2,000 savings and 0% financing for 24 months on approved credit, LASIK with Dr. King is only $146 a month. You can go to kinglasik.com slash Arizona for complete details. All right, um, here's the headline. This is also from AZ Central. 43 students in one class, how Arizona schools are grappling with a teacher shortage crisis. Uh, And it it talks about a specific teacher, Stephanie Martin, second grade class. Every single chair is taken up um, by a wriggling student is the first line of the story. And it chronicles in this in this piece the plight of overcrowded schools because we have teacher shortages in many of the school districts. We talked recently about the Kyrene School District, who is, with that district is not suffering teacher shortages at all. As a matter of fact, they don't have any openings. There's a reason, and I don't know that exact reason, but we understand that it's possible depending on what you're doing and how you are doing it. Um, we all have opinions on schools and what should be taught and what shouldn't be taught and what we should go after and what we shouldn't go after, and we should stay hands off and let the experts handle it. And I agree with all of those things in, in, in one fashion or another, because I don't think that there's a one side fits all answer, which is why I'm an advocate for school choice. Um, As a matter of fact, uh, here's a headline. Illinois governor reverses on school choice program he once pledged to do away with. More states are either going to or looking at more school choice. When you get past the emotion of the conversation and you start talking about the specifics of the conversation, it is hard to argue in favor of keeping the old things the way they are. Everything changes. Everything evolves. Everything changes with technological changes that have come out. You know, I'm, uh, I remember the rotary phone. I remember the touch, tone, touch dial phone. I remember the cordless phone. And I remember the advent of the cell phone. I remember getting a pager. We watch how things change as technology changes, how we do business, how we live our lives. You now order your groceries from your phone and they get to your house before you do. We all have seen this happen. Why is it that we're going to stick with an old model that isn't working? There's an old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I would say everybody on both sides, on all sides, because I don't think there's only two, all sides of the conversation about education would agree That our school system is failing. We disagree on why, but we all agree that it's failing. You look at where our numbers are, 48th in the country, and that's been touted by the teachers who want more money. And then when it's touted by the other side that says, we're we're doing horribly, Uh, you know, we're just almost the worst in the country at educating our children. Well, we can't change our system. We can't change the way it is. You're going to destroy the public school system. Maybe, just maybe, this new school choice thing where Illinois is looking at scholarship programs, government programs, tax dollars going to allow children to go to private and parochial schools. What a shock. You mean tax dollars to a religious organization? That's a separation of church and state issue. Illinois is looking at doing it. Maybe, maybe. Part of the issue that could be solved is some of these children that are 43 wide in one of these classrooms. Maybe we reduce the size of those classrooms because some of those parents will take advantage of school choice and send their children somewhere else.
But I can tell you this. The people in favor of keeping things the way they are are not concerned about your child leaving. They're concerned about the dollars leaving with your child. That's where the problem lies. There needs to be a more comprehensive look at what we do and how we do it. I would say to every parent, it is your right to know, and I would ask because it's your tax dollar and your child. I would ask the school board that your home, that your taxes, whether you're renting, because you are ending up, you know, your your uh, rent pays the taxes, the property taxes, or you own the property. I would be asking the school district where I am, if I were you, what is it you spend your money on? I would love to find out what some of the curriculum you're teaching is, and not so much about it being good or bad, but where it is on the priority list. How much money are you spending on that curriculum and to train the teachers to teach it? And now let's talk about is that a necessary expenditure? Or do we get back to the basics? Do we get lean and mean like businesses do all the time? We're going to go back to what we do best. We're going to get back to what we know, we are known for. We're going to do it better than we ever have, and we're going to do it with less expense than we've ever done it, and we're going to build this company back up. Anytime you've ever been – I know businesses that do it all the time. In the electrical industry where I came from, you say, I'm an electrician. There's so There's residential electric. There's service electric. There's commercial electric. There's industrial electric. There's a big difference between the wire you use to wire someone's home and the codes that are involved there and using explosion-proof uh, conduit and putting in uh, you know, near-flammable things or dust-proof in a wood situation so nothing catches on fire because of a spark. It is the same industry, but it's those sub-industries inside there. And when companies try to do too much, that's when they bite off more than they can chew. And it's not what we're good at, and it's not what we're set up for, and we're going to do exactly what we're set up for. In other words, if you're a math teacher, you should be teaching math. These other programs may be worthwhile for – it may benefit a student. Why are we having math teachers teach it? Why are we having them trained in it? Let a math teacher teach math. And maybe if more and more parents, instead of arguing whether or not some of these programs were good or bad, just looked at the way you need to prioritize them. And then the school districts have to figure out what are we spending our money on because we're losing good teachers to Kyrene. We're losing good teachers to other districts. So if we want to keep these teachers, we have to find a way to pay them more. Maybe we have to sacrifice some of these curriculums that are controversial. Maybe we need to get back to basics. And that doesn't, that's not the argument. That's not what they want to argue. What they want to argue is we want things exactly the same in the way we want them, and we want different results. And the reason why we're not getting different results is because we're not throwing a ton of money at the problem. And uh, I will tell you that school choice might help with school crowding. Seems reasonable. And I'm anxious to see how this program works, and I think it's going to work well. And if there are things about it that aren't working well, I hope the people that are doing it change it. So that it continues to work well and works as, as good as it possibly can. We talked earlier about civilian oversight over the police. Uh, it's a popular thing, but is it working? We're going to talk specifically about the Office of Accountability and Transparency in the city of Phoenix that just started up. Are, you know, Is that office working to make sure that the police officers on the streets of Phoenix do what they're supposed to do? And police are not the only government employees that are being filmed. We'll talk about both in just a couple of moments.
values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, I appreciate you uh, being here today. Um, This is a story from Cronkite News. Law enforcement is a frequent topic here. Crime and punishment working hand in hand. Uh, I've talked about quite a bit. Police, every time I say this, I think I sound too much like Law and Order, the TV show. It's about the police that make the arrests and the prosecutors that prosecute the crimes or however they do that at the opening of every show with the the big doink doink that they do. Um, But it's true. It is a hand in glove relationship. It is you have to have law enforcement and investigators. They're able to go out there and build the case and get the evidence against a perpetrator and and then have a prosecution team that is willing to go to court and aggressively prosecute to make sure that people are held accountable for the crimes they commit against the other citizens in your city. That is what a well-oiled machine in law enforcement and prosecution looks like. Civilian oversight of law enforcement has become a very big thing in recent years because of the movement that said police as a profession, the policing as a profession, is an aggressive, um, abusive at least in some communities, abusive to the people that live there, not an asset, less police to fund the police. Fewer police officers are going to make us a safer society And every city that fell for it, every city that went for it. And I believe every and if not every, I would say almost every city that it happened in has seen a huge uptick in crime and homelessness and and issues where businesses are fleeing from Seattle to Portland to Chicago to New York City to Washington, D.C. It's happening everywhere. Now, we didn't do that here. We didn't defund the police here. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, I don't I don't agree with the mayor of Phoenix politically on a lot of things. But I have been at a couple of events with her when she was a guest. She was I was the MC and she was maybe the keynote speaker. But we've been in the same room on a number of occasions at law enforcement events. And she has said to the crowd emphatically, we have never defunded the police and we will never defund the police as long as I'm mayor. And I'm paraphrasing, but those are her words. And I'm encouraged to hear her say that. And I always want to give credit where credit's due, that it's time for city management to make that kind of an emphatic statement to policing and then back it up with the support they deserve. But the creation of the Office of Accountability and Transparency, or OAT, here in Phoenix, um, is civilians, nobody in law enforcement working for this office, overseeing the behavior and having a legal opinion on whether or not officers acted appropriately. So you know, or maybe you don't, but I think most people know that when a law enforcement officer is involved in a violent situation, there are two investigations. You and I, we get investigated once. Did you commit a crime? There is the, the, you know, you are investigated for criminal behavior, getting into a physical altercation, a deadly use of force situation. You're investigated as to whether or not you committed a crime. That's it. A cop is also investigated for policy. Did that officer, deputy, trooper, did that person violate our policies on use of force? There's two investigations. Now there's going to be a third. And this is a valid question because the question that's asked by Cronkite is, civilian oversight is popular, but does it work? So the real situation that I believe will occur at some time or another, because it always, you know, it happens that nobody is 100 percent. You can go to a boxing match and there's a split decision that's not always unanimous. But what happens when internal affairs or whatever you call it, PSB, Professional Standards Bureau at Phoenix PD, internal affairs, what happens when the internal investigation into officer behavior clears the officer of any wrongdoing? 
And then the Maricopa County Attorney's Office investigates criminally and says that that officer did not commit any crime. And then the Civilian Oversight Board, OAT, the Office of Accountability and Transparency, said, you know what? That cop shouldn't have done that. That cop shouldn't have done that. No, no, no. We think, we think, the civilians on this board, we think that cop went too far. That cop could have done something else, and that didn't have to happen that way. Now you've got a city office that has just handed a lawsuit to a citizen that there is, a, there is an office within the city that said the city committed a crime against me. Now I'm going to sue. That's just the financial part of it and probably the least important part of it. The most important part of it is what does that do to an officer's career? Two offices have said that officer didn't do anything wrong. That officer was within policy and within the law. Now you've got a bunch of civilians that step in and say, wait a minute, you know, if we were cops, which we've never been, if we were cops, we would have done that differently. Shoot him in the leg. That's what the president said. President Biden said, shoot him in the leg. Why not just shoot the gun out of their hands like they do in the movies? Let's do that. And it's not possible. It's, it's not humanly possible. That doesn't mean that I'm against oversight. I hate bad cops because I'm such a defender of law enforcement. Every time a cop does something wrong, I get emails like, see? And I'm like, okay, I see. That's, that's horrible. There was 200 and over 200 and or almost 270 teachers or educators in the country so far this year that have molested children or had crimes against children or child porn charges against them. That doesn't mean that I go ha- on the air and email that out and say, see, look what teachers are doing. No, you've got dirtbags in every profession. People that do the wrong thing. It's not about lack of oversight. It's about appropriate oversight. It's about making sure that there's reasonable accountability and not a witch hunt. And Cronkite asking a great question. Is civilian oversight, does it work? And we will see. In Phoenix, we are going to see whether or not it works. Um, and this is, I, I want to make sure I say, this is not, I am not knocking or criticizing the person they hired to run the Office of Accountability and Transparency. I don't know him. It's not about going after someone's character. This is about whether or not the system that's put in place is valuable for the citizens and the officers in the city of Phoenix. That's the question. Not about personality or character. In a moment, um, back to a story uh, about civil, about journalists. Journalists com- condemning, did they condemn GOP candidates or was it candidates in general that go after journalists? We'll talk about that next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And thanks for being here. Um, interesting timing for this story to come out is uh, former journalists condemn, it says, this is the headline, says former journalists condemn Republican candidates for attacks on media and disinformation. Um I want to talk about that in a moment. As most of you know uh, or have heard, the press release went out this morning. The Clean Elections, the Citizens Clean Elections Commission has asked me to uh, be a part of the um, gubernatorial event that's happening, the candidate event. And uh, so we're going to I'm going to be a part of that this weekend. It's going to air on AZTV7 
at uh, at five o'clock. And so it's, it's interesting timing for all of this because the debate about the fourth estate, about uh, what we have in the, uh, what I think is the most important part of the freedom of speech in the First Amendment is the right of the press to criticize and question its government. I think that is a the most important tool that we have, which having a government run, um, we know that this is what they do in China. In China, they control the narrative that goes out to its citizens. Um, but I want you to hear a little bit of this because the journalists that were involved, the former journalists that were involved in this out at Cronkite, um, actually there's some recording. There's audio of what they actually said. So this is them sign, sounding the alarm about, um, about, about integrity and about people attacking the media. As former journalists, we are here today to sound alarms and express our concern that this election poses a very real and existential threat to our democracy. We cannot remain silent when candidates up and down the ballot in Arizona have demonstrated blatant and bold disregard for facts, reality and truth. So that's the beginning of it. But then they also go on to talk about mistakes they've made. Journalists are not perfect. We make mistakes. And of course, questioning the press, challenging it is part of what we do in a free republic. But bullying reporters for political gain is unacceptable and it's unpatriotic. This is not a partisan belief. In fact, the signers of this document never shared their political leanings, only that this dangerous strategy as a way to gain power and control of the levers of government should be rejected. Well, I would say it's very interesting. I want to read to you from a poll. All right. And this is this is not going this. They didn't poll Republicans or Democrats. They both polled citizens, according to a New York Times, which is not a conservative publication. Siena poll. A healthy majority of Americans believe that democracy is under threat. And over half of those who believe democracy is at risk, say the mainstream media presents a major threat. The poll, which surveyed 792 registered voters between October 9 and October 12, asked the respondents to select one of the two following statements aligning most with their views. Even if they did not watch exactly, American democracy is currently under threat, 71%. American democracy is not under threat, 21%. The poll then directed the 71% who believed democracy was under threat in the United States to answer a few more specific questions. Republicans say the um, major threat, uh, 28% say minor threat, 39 say not a threat. Um, Democrats, major threat, 33. Minor threat, 30. Not a threat, 34. When it comes to what the greatest threats were coming in. Um, and it's interesting. It talks about Donald Trump, Joe Biden, and then the mainstream media. Major threat, 59%. Minor threat, 25%. Only 15% of the people responding here believed that the media was no threat at all. So I don't believe that to be true, by the way. I would be one of the people that don't don't think that they are a threat to democracy. But what it does show is people have lost their trust. And I think everyone, myself included, that are in the media have have an obligation to look at that and say, why is it that we're not trusted? Is it because people only want to hear what they want to hear? Go on Twitter. Twitter is a place where it is as polarized as it gets. I had somebody uh, somebody on Twitter said the other day that Democrats look at facts and Republicans don't. Now, that is the biggest blanket statement I've ever heard. And that that's just what social media is for. But there is a difference between what Slappy 682 on Twitter has to say and when and journalists, when journalists 
do stories. Now you and you have to look at yourself. Everybody in journalism has to look at themselves, just like anybody in talk radio has to look at themselves or anything else. When you have got reports that when you have Mark Zuckerberg, and we know that a younger generation gets a huge part of their news from social media, whether it's Facebook or it's Twitter, that's where they're looking to get their news. When you've got Zuckerberg who runs Facebook and Instagram goes out and says, you know what? We pushed down stories about the Hunter Biden laptop because the FBI told us it looked a lot like Russian misinformation and we shouldn't have done that. And that's what he said. People aren't going to trust it. They don't trust any of it. Republicans call it the mainstream media and the liberal media. Liberals point to Fox News and talk about the conservative media. Um, There was somebody on Twitter that ripped me this morning because uh, Reagan deregulated and all of a sudden conservatives took over the airwaves, completely discounting the fact that MSNBC and CNN forever have been espousing opposite political views than Fox News. Um, Everybody has access to the airwaves. But I also think along with a lot of freedoms and rights comes the responsibilities. And there are not a lot of people out there that believe, and this comes from both sides of the political aisle, not a lot of people believe that the media is fair in how it handles things. That is something that when I would say to Cronkite students, if I ever had the opportunity, which I'm absolutely positive that Cronkite's never going to invite me to speak to their students, I would say to them, they have to look in the mirror and say that. Are you being factual? Are you being fair? Are you being fair when you say uh, there's a story, another, and this is interesting, now this is becoming louder and louder, the question being asked about election denial. Um, uh, Victor Davis Hanson, a Democratic myth has arisen that former President Donald Trump denial the accuracy of the 2020 vote was unprecedented. Unfortunately, in the U.S. elections is often a story of both legitimate and illegitimate election denialism. 1800, 1824, 1876, 1960. Al Gore in 2000 didn't accept the popular vote results in Florida because Jeb Bush was the governor and George W. Bush won the election. On and on and on. So that's a, another area where you ask and you would say, well, hang on a minute. Um, are you being fair and, and cra- uh, categorizing certain people a certain way? Now, I'm going to go back to the headline as I finish this. Is it fair? Now, again, the question is whether or not journalists are being unfairly attacked. The headline tells the story. Former journalists condemn Republican candidates for attacks on media disinformation. Why is the word Republican in a headline? Is it only Republicans that do it? Or is this why Republicans stand up and a segment of them stand up and say, this is why you're fake news? You just demonized yourself because you demonized us in the headlines. Now, I don't see anywhere where these candidates, these these uh, journalists specifically called out only Republicans. I don't see that happening. It may have. I wasn't there. But isn't it fascinating that instead of saying any kind of aggression toward journalism is dangerous. Instead, the headline demonizes one political party, which is exactly how both political parties feel. They are being demonized by the media. They are doing exactly what the people don't want. It's just odd to me. It is very strange. That headline is very strange. 
All right, coming up in a moment, Arizona officials are talking about the shipping containers because the federal government wants them taken down. How do they respond? You'll hear it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. I'd like you to join me in making a difference in our community by joining Broomhead's Action Alliance. You'll be updated about upcoming community service projects so you can join us on. I'll even send you an Action Alliance t-shirt while supplies last. Just text the word ACTION to 411923. That's ACTION to 411923. State Representative Tim Dunn throwing his opinion out because he represents the area down in Yuma in the state legislature. And uh, the, the federal government said this week that they believe that the construction or installation of containers of the uh, um, of the uh, shipping containers down at the border to plug gaps near Yuma is illegal. Um, a response had come from the, the some leaders here in the state of Arizona that said no laws were broken and they are going to stay up. Representative Dunn said the following. This is in a press release. The Biden administration's made it clear they have no interest in protecting America's borders. The same goes for Democrats who control Congress. Border states and communities are left open and undefended against the relentless flow of illegal immigration, human trafficking, and dangerous narcotics because of the federal government's refusal, refusal to secure the border. As a result, it's up to Arizona to do everything possible to protect our communities, and we have. The legislature appropriated more than $560 million for border security assistance in the recent state budget, and Governor Ducey has shown great leadership installing barriers made of shipping containers to effectively close several border gaps in the Yuma area. These barriers have succeeded in stopping the illegal traffic and trespassing through produce fields, which would damage land and threaten crops that Americans rely upon. Now the Biden administration is demanding that Arizona remove those barriers I don't think we should, and I hope the governor. I hope that Governor Ducey holds fast. Moreover, I encourage the governor to keep up the work he's begun, close the additional gaps where possible with the defensive placement of shipping containers and or, or by other means appropriate to improve safety and security along the border. Um, I don't think any attention being paid to the border does well for the Biden administration. It shows another glaring failure of their policies. And, you know, of course, you're going to hear that from me because I'm on this side of the aisle and I get so tired of defending my side of the aisle and where I stand. And, you know, and I guess I, I'm on I love social media. I really do. I'm getting crushed on it today, but I love social media. Um and the reason why is I like the free exchange of ideas. And through the uh, the sea of nonsense, you get some reasonable conversations with people. And I like that. I, I mean, I'm I'm one of the, I'm a very social person, and I always have been. I think that's how I ended up migrating toward this career when it came my way, because I love to hear people talk. I love to talk, but I love to hear people talk. I love a conversation. I talk to people in the elevator. I talk to people in the line. I I just, I like a conversation. And with a stranger, it's so much fun. You never know what you're going to get. You never know what's going to come out of their mouth. You never know what their opinions are going to be. And it's such a refreshing thing sometimes just to hear a different perspective. Sometimes you agree, sometimes you disagree, but I love that conversation. When it comes to the border, It's hard for anybody to defend what this administration has done because they've done nothing. In the time that President Biden has been in office, he hasn't visited the border. The vice president has gone once for about an hour and a half. Now, I will say there have been a number 
of representatives from the Democratic Party from across the country that have accompanied Republicans down to the border to see for themselves. There, it, it, so it's not just a one-party thing, but the people that are in charge – whose policies have been implemented that have caused it to be worse than it's ever been are refusing to deal with it. So what they've done is ignore it. Well, And what's happened in recent weeks and months is that the administration of Texas and of Arizona and then eventually Florida – came up with an idea to bring attention to the border by shipping people by bus or airplane to places like Chicago or New York City or Washington, D.C. or Martha's Vineyard, and it's caused an uproar. And now the governor of Arizona said we can use an inexpensive thing like a shipping container and we can close off these gaps pretty easily. And it's been responded to very, very well, forcing the administration to do or say something. And I think it's going to get worse for them before it gets better. Just after 11 o'clock, we're going to talk about the economy. Are we going to pay a hefty price for energy, and is there anything that can be done about it moving forward? Next.